wild four four days as expected to start the men's tournament with up, about it. I would say as many upsets as we expected, but who knows? It might have been more. Kai McEwen joins us, three man weave uh, on the show many times. We've talked about this before, Kai. I, it was. Everybody jokes about brackets getting busted. Everybody jokes about all the... Uh, that's exactly what we got through the first four days, through the first two rounds of the tournament. Uh, how much of a surprise was it to you that we had this many higher seeds advancing? Or was this just kind of one of those things where you look and tournament's all done, the first two days are done, and you go, eh, yeah, this is kind of what we expected. Yeah, it, it's weird. The upsets didn't come from where we expected. Um, no 12 seeds won for the mm-hmm. first time in a long time since I, since I can remember really um, only one 13 seed and I think a lot of people thought the 12 and 13 this year in particular were some of the strongest we've seen um, in, in the last several years so to me that was surprising but obviously whenever you get a 15 and a 16 uh, win in the first round that that's about as shocking as you can get um, the Fairleigh Dickinson win of course takes the cake but yeah. Princeton what is this three straight years now we've had a 15 seed in the Sweet 16 uh, it, it, it's crazy yeah, I'm glad that you brought up Princeton. I really like Creighton right now, but, I mean, Princeton's, Princeton's obviously hot. What are you going to do in that game? You have a 15 seed taking on a 6, Princeton taking on Creighton. Yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, first time ever, 15 versus 6, so making a little history here. Uh, line's about 9.5. I, I tend to lean towards Ivy teams in general in, in these tournament settings because I think their offenses are so difficult to prepare for um, in short notice. In conference play, they tend to even out because those teams are so familiar with one another. But in non-conference play, you know, uh, not a lot of teams across the country see the Princeton offense, for instance. Um, they don't know how to defend the counters, the back cuts, um, um, the, the intricacies of the offense. So it can be difficult to blow these type of teams out, especially with the way Princeton likes to control the pace. So I, I'll probably be leaning towards the dog here. I'll probably get something on them at, at nine and a half, nine, ten if I can find it. Looking at this Arkansas-UConn game, um, Kai, and we're seeing UConn be the team that we thought that they would be, right, in the beginning of the season mm-hmm. when they were really hot at the Phil Knight Invitational, right? And Arkansas, I tell you what, Eric Musselman, he finds a way in postseason play to get his team ready. Uh, Arkansas, three-and-a-half point dog. How do you see this matchup shaking out? Like, what do you think the kind of key matchup is? Yeah, I don't know what Eric Musselman does in the tournament. He must take Michael Jordan's secret stuff or something at <laughs> halftime because it, it seems like they're down double digits every single game in, in the tournament, and all they do is make Sweet 16s and Elite Eights. Um, but I, I actually like UConn here. You know, Arkansas clearly has a lot of talent, but I don't think they really play well together. <laughs> and frankly, they are a little bit too erratic for me to trust. Their offense can stagnate. They don't have a, a great shooting team, and it's really hard to score inside the paint, inside the arc against UConn, who is – just enormous, um, you know, both inside and on the perimeter. Tons of length, tons of athleticism. I think it's a really difficult match for Arkansas. Um, I don't necessarily trust Dan Hurley in the tournament, but he has a team this year that's definitely capable of getting to the Final Four and certainly covering the spread three and a half, four. I'm I'm curious, Kai, why do you think that uh, outside of the injuries that Nick Smith has been so up and down? He barely played the second half of the last Mm -hmm. game. I don't know. It's a good question, and I don't think it's a good sign when you're, you're benching your quote-unquote most talented player this late in the process. And I think you saw it against Illinois as well. Even at the end of the game, he kind of sat. And it, it doesn't give me the warm fuzzies if you can't trust your best player in late-game situations in March. You know, maybe maybe it's lack of practice time since he was out. He's not quite as comfortable with the, with the rest of the his 
teammates as much as other people or, or not really in the flow. Um, but he's certainly struggled this season offensively. His shooting head just has not been there. Um, I'm sure he'll have a great career in the NBA, but right now I've not been impressed with him from a pure college perspective. Uh, Gonzaga survives last night. Great beat as I was on TCU in that mm-hmm. one. Uh, but now they get UCLA. I think this is the game of, of the week here. You get UCLA two-and-a-half-point favorites, so they're taking some steam. The total, 145-and-a-half. What do you like here? Tough one. Um, I, I think this is finally where UCLA's lack of Jalen Clark um, really, really hurts them. He's packed 12 uh, defensive player of the year, got hurt, has missed the last several games for them. They haven't really used him um, in the first couple rounds. They're just way too good for those couple teams. But with Gonzaga's offense, with the way they can score, I think they may be able to expose them just a little bit um, to where they can compete and maybe win this game. The worry is Gonzaga's defense is so terrible um, that, that I don't really see them stopping UCLA easily. Hawkes and, and Tiger Campbell are fantastic. Amari Bailey is fantastic. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Probably anything, I'd lean towards the over. Um, fairly low for a Gonzaga game, 146, but UCLA is not really a team that pushes the pace. I kind of lean Gonzaga. That's really part of my heart. I just kind of want to see this team get to the Final Four in a year where nobody's talking about them. Talking to Kai McHugh and BetMGM tonight, uh, Tennessee just beat the hell out of Duke. I mean, they – they it just was it – was, it was – it almost awesome. looked like children against grown men. It was just such a different way that those two teams were playing. Tennessee now is a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Florida Atlantic. Did they prove anything new to you? Did you look at that Tennessee team any differently after they what they did against Duke, who, by the way, had won 10 straight games going into that? Uh, nothing that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I thought Duke was getting a little overhyped. Um, I, yeah, they won 10 straight, but it was against – ACC competition, guys who were out of the lineup um, against guys with injuries. It was against Oral Roberts, who I love Oral Roberts, but still not the same talent level. Against Tennessee, they ran into, like like you said, men. Um, Tennessee is arguably the most physical team in the country outside of Houston. And if the game isn't being called super tight, uh, Tennessee has a real advantage. Against FAU, that's one of the toughest teams I've seen this season just watching. FAU uh, is a team that can absolutely go toe-to-toe with the Vols. The one worry is Tennessee has a really strong track record this year of destroying teams that are not quite on their level. And while FAU is very, very good, Tennessee is better than this team. Um, again, it's a hard play for me. I lean towards FAU plus five. I- I'm really rooting for the Owls uh, to-, to go to lead eight and beyond. We've been on uh, Xavier pretty much all year. And now, you know, they had a couple of bad games kind of close to the end that I think got a lot of pundits or people who handicap games like their panties in a bunch. And now they look kind of the way that they should, right? Third best three-point shooting team in the country. Uh, what do you like in this matchup? They're four-and-a-half-point dogs. Yeah, it feels like their defense has really improved mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks or so. I think that was something that really fell off um, and, and without Fremantle, too, right there, a little bit um, uh, shorthanded. They're still the same same group of guys, but I think they've learned how to play without him, and they've certainly buckled down on the defensive end. Uh, against a team like Texas, though, I'm a little bit nervous. I think Texas is very, very good. They're a scary team, um, arguably one of the most put-together teams right now, but one of the most complete teams in the country. Top 15 offense and defense. I worry a little bit about Xavier here, though. I, I do give a slight coaching edge. Well, actually, I won't say slight. I'll say major coaching edge to Sean Miller. Um, over Roddy Terry, with all due respect. You brought up how it's a down year for the ACC. What do you think about Houston as a six and a half point favorite against Miami? Uh, the total in that game, one thirty-eight and a half. 
it feels a bit high on the surface, um, just given how Miami can score. You know, their guards are fantastic. Um, in March, you, if you have really good senior guards, you tend to do pretty well. But I don't see Miami stopping Houston very easily. I think it gets lost um, amongst those out there in the public that Houston is actually a very good offensive team. They're a top 10 offensive team because of the way they can rebound the ball mostly. And Miami is not a great defensive rebounding squad. They're pretty undersized up front. Omir is fantastic, but he's still around 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he can't really stand up to all of the physicality that Houston has. So, again, it's pretty high. I, I kind, of, kind of hesitate laying it, but I do think Houston advances. I'm probably on the fence with this one more so than the other game in the first round. Excuse me, Sweet 16. So we've got Michigan State doing what Michigan State does, too. Uh, I, it's it's funny. We, we joked about it on the show last week where it was like, it, it went in doubt, just take Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo and Michigan State. Uh, this is a team now, it's a seven seed. you got Kansas State coming up in the Sweet 16. One, what what is your early thought on that game? And two, how far can this Michigan State team actually go? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, they're solid on both ends of the floor. They don't really do anything wrong. They don't really turn the ball over. Um, but they're just solid. They're not fantastic. They're not elite. Um, I'm kind of surprised they're favored, I'll be honest, to K-State. Ken Palm makes it K-State one. I'd probably have K-State favored. I'm going to say K-State. I, I think K-State's getting a little bit underrated in the market. Um, I didn't see anybody uh, uh, on them in their last game uh, against Kentucky. I didn't really see many people on them against Montana State. And all they did was cover and went out right against both teams. Um, Marquise Noel is made for March. Taylor made for March. and so fun to watch. So I'll be leaning towards Kansas State in this game. Probably put something on them. Yeah, I have Kansas State to go to the Final Four, Kai. I'm looking here and and seeing. If you were going to do some player props in that game, would you just go ahead and go with Noel, or or do you think that the length of uh, Michigan State is going to try to hold him down? I don't think anybody can stop him. Um, More so, I'm not sure anybody can guard Keontae Johnson. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who they're. Malik Hall, maybe. I'm not sure he's quick enough. Certainly not Joey Hauser. (laughs) Um, I, I foresee both those guys, Noel and Johnson, having pretty easy path to scoring. Um, and I still just don't really trust Hogard, you know, for Michigan State. I like Tyson Walker a lot, but Hogard, stuff I saw in the Big Ten tournament with him on the bench, is a, I just haven't gotten over that to where I can trust him fully. Uh, the other game I wanted to ask you about, Alabama, seven-and-a-half point favorite. It's now minus 115 over at BetMGM, the total 136-and-a-half. Uh, I keep fading San Diego State, which has been a huge mistake. <laughs> I mean, I just fade that entire conference. Uh, what do you do yeah. here? Do you think Alabama rolls here? Yeah, I kind of think they do. I, I love San Diego State. And yeah, you're right. Mountain West has been brutal in the NCAA tournament for the last several, several years. Uh, Alabama is, is a scary, scary team. I, I think they are probably the best team in the country right now. I would probably put Houston right there as well. But they're just too overly athletic for San Diego State to uh, do what they usually do, which is overwhelm teams with their own athleticism, their own length, and their own physicality. You can't do that against Alabama. And talent-wise, it's not really close. This Bama squad is a great defense. It's going to be really hard for San Diego State to score. They they can shoot a little bit, but they don't prefer to. They prefer to take it to the rim, get it inside. Just really, really hard to do against this Alabama team. So I will be probably leaning towards the tie in this game. Kai, I still got a couple of minutes. We've spent a lot of time talking about the games moving forward and, and bitched about our brackets. How is your bracket done? Uh, is, it, is it close to what you expected, or was this just – way off now that you're looking back on it after the first two weekends or the first two rounds. Uh, it's not perfect, sad to say. Yeah. Uh, but it's not in 
horrible shape. I still got three Final Four teams left, so so doing okay from that lens. Uh, but yeah, I took some hits in the first couple rounds, like most people, I'm sure. I tell you what, man, it's going to be so so fun. Really quickly, I want to ask you something more larger picture. I was talking to a friend about just like these blue bloods going down, and my perspective, Kai, is is a lot of that has to do with obviously the transfer transfer portal. NIL deals and just connecting with players, these older school coaches with, you know, these blue blood, uh, blue blood programs not really resonating with younger players. What is your perspective on, you know, why they've been so down? Yeah, um, it's a good theory in terms of recruiting, right? I don't think it really is just recruiting good talent anymore. I think it's recruiting good individuals and then good people. I think there's a lot of attitude issues out there with kids these days, you know, old man yells at cloud, but you do want to recruit guys that are coachable. And I think a lot of the really high level teams maybe have missed out on that a bit. That's certainly number one, two, there is a lot more parity in college basketball because a, the transfer portal, but also the extra COVID year has really helped a lot of these teams get older players, you know, via the transfer portal and via their own development system. So I think it's really leveled the playing field, level the landscape a little bit at least the last couple of seasons. We'll see once that tails off, if we don't see the Blue Bloods come back up. But those are kind of my early leans as to why. Coaching would be number two. I don't think any of those programs have great coaches right now. Kai, got about a minute. Real quick, what do you think of the two uh, coaching hires, Rick Pitino to St. John's and Ed Cooley to uh, Georgetown? Home run hire for St. John's. You couldn't get any better. That's going to be a program to watch out for. I might even take a future on them, like, next week because <laughs> they're going to get some guys. Cooley... I love Ed Cooley. He's probably the number one college basketball coach you'd want to grab a beer with. Has he, is he an elite coach? I don't think so. I, I'm not sure he's taking Georgetown to a Final Four, but he's definitely a huge upgrade over Patrick Ewing, and he'll certainly get Georgetown in contention for the tournament every single season. Kai McEwen, three-man good weave. Stuff. Always good talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I, I mean, you've already got somebody in the transfer portal going to Georgetown from TCU, and you go, okay, this is what you want to see but it's it's interesting. you bring up a good point I, I think this really like it the college basketball and college football landscape has totally changed with the transfer portal guys you're rebuilding programs in six weeks yeah it doesn't take that long I mean look at what USC did in football players can say just like this new generation I don't want to put up with this anymore yeah. I'm going to go somewhere where it fits my skill set and my style and I can connect with the coach one which is awesome because yeah. I'm all I about like I think that's what you should be even yeah. in college yeah. plus I, if I was in college I would go to a new school every year oh we're going to check out the Big Ten <laughs> eh, USC sounds fun you know what let's go to Tennessee ah, new friends you catch my drift everywhere everywhere different beverages everywhere well, different traditions different choices yeah. oh, yeah. MGM the night